Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. I'm Christy Brower, and I am here with a true crime pop-up for you tonight. Uh, you know, I like to do these for you on Saturday nights, and today, well, it kind of made itself for me pretty easy today, because today, Rodney Alcala, or you may remember him as the dating game killer, died of natural causes in prison. He has been awaiting the death penalty for quite a while now, but I thought since he passed away today that it would be worth uh, talking about him a little bit. I hadn't thought of him or this case in a really long time. So if you don't know who he is, he's Rodney James Alcala. And he is an American serial killer and rapist. He was finally sentenced to death in California for five murders uh, that happened somewhere between 1977 and 1979. Um, but this was after his third trial. I didn't remember this part of the story. I remembered the dating game part, but I think that's probably the part that everyone remembers. But here's the thing about Rodney Alcala. He managed to get exonerated for murder twice, for the same murder that he was finally convicted of, along with several other murders. He, Yep, he died. He died today. Uh, just, hey, everybody in the chat, Jari, Patsy, Stephanie, nice to have you all here. Um, so he was on the dating game in 1978. This was midst murder spree. I want you to know. Creepy. Also, he was already a convicted sex offender at the time that he was on the dating game. So dating game, shame on you. You know, people like, yeah, that's the guy that was on the mystery date show. Yes. And you know what happened? He won that show. And then the uh, woman on the show that was supposed to go on the date with him wouldn't go. Said he was too creepy. She was not interested. But it was right in the middle of his spree, and he was a convicted sex offender, and they let him be on that show. Yikes. Why do they let death row folks just sit? I don't get it, right? I know it's, you know, there are so many appeals and opportunities, you know, and I, I get it because we don't want the state to murder people who are innocent, right? This guy... Come on, he was tried three times. We're pretty sure he was definitely not innocent, although he swore he was. He never admitted to his crimes. So let me tell you a little bit about his trials, because uh, it's, this is pretty interesting. So like I said, he was on the dating game. So then he finally went to trial for the murder of Robin Samso, who was 12 years old. She was from Huntington Beach. She disappeared somewhere between the beach and her ballet class on June 20th of 1979. And her body was found 12 days later in the Los Angeles foothills. A lot of his um, victims were found in California, although those were not the only, that was not the only state. So we'll get to that in a minute. 
So apparently there was a, a um, witness to a strange man walking up to Samso and her friends on the beach asking to take their pictures. And this was his thing. Rodney liked to take pictures of children and he liked to take pictures of children naked in sexual poses because he was a real trash human. So her friends, she went missing, Robin did, but her friends, you know, were able to give a sketch of Rodney Alcala and his parole officer recognized him and they actually found in his belongings a set of earrings that belonged to Robin Sanso. So he was arrested in July of 1979 and he was held without bail. So in 1980, he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. Seemed like piece of cake. He's going away, right? But his conviction was overturned by the California Supreme Court because jurors had been improperly informed of his prior sex crimes. This is a problem that we run into. It still happens now. How do we handle prior bad acts of someone, you know, and can it influence a jury negatively? So anyway, case thrown out, right? So in 19, let's see, this is just crazy. So, okay. So in 1986, they try him again. Identical trial, except they leave out the stuff about his prior sex crimes. And again, he's convicted and sentenced to death for Robin Samso's murder. And then, and this one just, I don't know, you guys. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals nullified his second conviction because a witness was not allowed to support his claim that the park ranger who found Robin Samso's body had been hypnotized by police investigators. You guys, how weird is that, right? How weird is that? That was his whole defense. But Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals basically said he was not allowed to put up his defense because he wasn't allowed to explore that. So again, conviction thrown out. And I can only imagine what it must have been like to be the prosecutor in this case who just wants to put this scumbag behind bars forever, right? So in 2003, in Orange County, California, investigators are working on a third trial. When, wouldn't you know it, I'll call his DNA matches to DNA left at the rape and murder scenes of two women in Los Angeles. And then some more women show up uh, in New York and also in LA. So we have Jill Barcombe, who was, um, it, oh, these, oh, I forget. These are the, all the ones in California. So she was found in Los, in a Los Angeles ravine in 1977. They actually thought she was a victim of the Hillside Strangler. He was, by the way, questioned in the Hillside Strangler case. There was also Georgia Wickstead. 
She was found in her apartment in 1977. Charlotte Lamb, who was found in the laundry room of an apartment complex. And Jill Parento, who was killed in her apartment in 1979. All of the bodies were found in poses, like intentional positions. Again, we have this weird fascination with photographing bodies, right? So he was still, because he was held without bail, don't forget. So he's been in prison the whole time. He wasn't let out when these cases were thrown out. But between, while he was incarcerated between his second and third trial, he wrote a book. And the book is called You, the Jury. And he claims innocence in the Robin Samso case. And he suggests a different suspect in that case. He also files two lawsuits at the time against the California penal system, once for a slip and fall incident of his, I guess, and the other for refusing to provide him a low-fat diet. This dude's a psychopath, okay? And this is what he's worried about while he's waiting for trial. So in 2003, prosecutors enter a motion because they want to join Robin Samso's case with these four other California cases and charge him for all of them at the same time. And of course, his attorneys didn't want to do that because they thought it would leave reasonable doubt on the ramp. It would, you know, affect reasonable doubt on the Robin Samso case because they have DNA on the other cases, which, okay, I mean, he clearly did them, you know. Uh, the California Supreme Court finally did rule in the prosecution's favor this time around. And in February of 2010, you guys, this is the bizarre thing. This dude has been in prison since 1979. Finally, in February of 2010, he stands trial for all five of these cases. In this third trial, he acted as his own attorney. And when it was time to interrogate himself. He did uh, take the stand and role-played interrogator and witness, and he actually changed the tone of his voice and called himself Mr. Alcala when he was uh, interrogating himself. So not weird at all, right? Like, that's not crazy in the least. That's not creepy at all. Uh, didn't he have a lot of unidentified photos? Yes, I'm going to get to that. The photos, yikes. We will talk about that in a minute. Uh, right, he wasn't out killing more women, right? Through all of this, he was still held because, I mean, they knew he did it. It's ridiculous. Uh, cops now don't believe hypnosis works. I can only imagine what they thought in the 80s. Right, I know. That was really, I mean, this dude... His luck with the courts is kind of terrifying. Yeah, kind of terrifying. So after, you know, interrogating himself and telling all kinds of weird lies and showing the jury a portion of himself on the dating game, he was trying to prove that the earrings that belonged to Robin Samso were actually his and he was wearing them in this video. Uh, he wasn't, though. He he wasn't wearing any earrings in the video. 
this dude, okay? So he didn't really try to defend himself on the other murders. He just really focused on the Robin Samso murder. Um, as part of his closing argument, he did play an Arlo Guthrie song called, you, I'm sure you all know it, Alice's Restaurant. And in it, the protagonist tells a psychiatrist that he wants to kill. Hmm, probably not the best plan as your own defense attorney. So, you know, uh, the jury did convict him on all five counts of first degree murder. And that wasn't a big surprise, right? So he was sentenced to death for the third time. He's been given many psychiatric diagnoses, including antisocial personality disorder, malignant narcissist, borderline personality disorder. What it all boils down to is he's a psychopath. He is most definitely a psychopath. There's really no way of knowing how many victims he had because when, right, that was trying to look nuts. Probably it was in the defending of himself. Didn't really work though. You know, DNA doesn't lie. So in going through his stuff when he was arrested, they found about a thousand pictures of young boys and girls, um, all naked in provocative poses. They they have attempted to identify the people in those photographs, and they have actually found a couple more victims, but they really think that there are probably many more that maybe no one was looking for. But they did make um, as many of the photos available as they could. But um, some of them were really sexually explicit, so they couldn't put them all out because they'd be, basically be child pornography. Um, about 21 women have come forward to identify themselves in the pictures. And there are about six families who say that they believe they recognize someone in a picture who disappeared years ago. And was never found. So could those be no more victims? Yes, probably. Um, in 2013, a family member recognized Christine Thornton, whose body was found in Wyoming in 1982. This is the thing that's bizarre, you guys. He was all over the country. These pictures are still posted online, by the way. If you search for them, you can find them. But um, after his 2010 conviction, New York authorities um, announced that they would no longer go after him, even though they did have some cases that they did believe that he um, he did was the murderer in Cornelia Crilly, who was a flight attendant, Ellen Hover, the Cirrus heiress. I don't know what that is. Um, in June 2012, he was extradited to New York, where he basically, he did enter a not guilty plea on those counts. Uh, he did eventually plead guilty. Um, and basically, they just said, you know, they've added 25 years to life to his conviction. Obviously, he didn't really need it because he didn't even make it to death penalty. Um, in 2010... Seattle police named him as a person of interest in the unsolved murders of Antoinette Whitaker, Joyce, and Joyce Gaunt. 
Uh, he did have a storage unit in Seattle. That's where they found some belongings of two of his victims from California. And so, you know, there have been other cases that were looked at potentially in California, New York, New Hampshire, and Arizona. So we don't really know how many people he killed. Um, he is convicted of seven, probably many more than that. But, you know, at least the California legal system does not have to continue paying for him because he did die of natural causes in prison today. Yes, it is heartbreaking. And it is, I cannot imagine for the prosecutors in California how very frustrating this case must have been. They really stuck in there with him. They really believed that he commit this crime, you know? I mean, they tried him three times. It took them from 1980 to 2013. So have I got that right? Let me double check. I just want to be sure I have this right because it's such a tremendously ridiculous long time that it took to finally convict him. Yeah, in 2006, oh, 2010 is when he finally went to trial the third time. Okay, so from 1983 to 2010, so 17 years in which he was being held without bond, thank heavens, or he just would have been out there killing people. Um, it took him that long to be able to convict him. Right, they shouldn't have let him live this long, right? If he, he and he probably maybe wouldn't have had his first conviction stood. I don't know. <laughs> Brooke says, sorry, I'm not a good or forgiving person when kids are hurt. No, I, I totally hear you on that. It is very frustrating to me as well. But I do really appreciate the authorities in California that they stuck with this guy in spite of the fact that they got shot down twice. I mean, to see a first degree murder case thrown out twice. And to see them go for him a third time, I mean, that's pretty good. So what a creep. You're right. You're absolutely right. He was a creep and he's gone from this world as of today. So kind of interesting to revisit that story. There are way more details to it. I didn't want to get all the way into it. Um, but I did want to share that with you because it is an interesting, you know, way to think about things that how long he has been in the system. And now today, California doesn't have to pay for him anymore. And no one is ever going to be at risk of him again, which also makes me happy. JR, I hope he's in hell. Right. I don't know where people like that go, but I hope it's somewhere not good. Yeah. I hope he certainly pays for those crimes. <sighs> well, you know, at least one way to look at it is one less serial killer on the planet, right? We're never going to be done with them, I think, but this one's done and we can say thanks to California for hanging in there. Well, this has been a true crime pop-up. I am Christy Brower and you know it, you are listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters 
and we will be back on Monday with brand new cases and brand new updates and all the good stuff. So please hang in there with us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share. It helps us. You know it does, and we're always working to grow. So if you would like to recommend a case to us, if you'd like us to cover something, you can do that by going to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. And there's a form to fill out there and we will consider whatever case you send our way. See if it's something we'd like to cover. So thanks for being here with me tonight, you guys. Have a great night.